Coming to you from beautiful downtown Toronto from Club 605. I'm your podcaster, John, and we're live at 605. Believe it or not, guys, we are back. And this is, I believe, week five, episode five of Live at 605. Wow, I can't believe five weeks already. This is, uh, it's been pretty amazing. I got to say, first, before I start the show, I just can't believe what a great response I said this last week, but I actually just realized I have a fan base, not just here in Toronto, it's not just my friends. But apparently all over the world, as there's a really, really big following in Canada. So thank you to all my Canadian fans out there. I just found out that there's a, getting to be a pretty decent sized following in the U.S. There is a big number of people in Boston. So shout out to all my Boston friends out there. You guys have been amazing. Thanks for helping me promote the show. Uh, but also I was checking my stats and there's people in uh, California who's been listening, people in Arizona, some people in San Francisco. There's also people... In the UK, I'm starting to hear live at 6.05, which I thought was really, really cool. But the awesome one was I was checking my stats, and I had one download last week, one download from Ghana, which I thought was amazing. So to the person out there who listened to me who lives in Ghana, uh, tweet me or email me and let me know who you are and how you found out about the show, because I really think that's really cool, because I'm coming out of uh, Club 605 doing this in uh, beautiful downtown Toronto. So thank you to the person in Ghana. Let me know who you are. And of course, guys, as always, to get a hold of me, you can do it one of many ways. You can either tweet me, and I'm at Malencamp. You've heard that before. Come and like me on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash live at 605, or just search live at 605. You can email me, as always. My email address is live at 605 at gmail.com. You can also check out the WordPress, which is live at 605.wordpress.com and that's it for promoting all my shit because i think i always drag on too long like joe rogan does when i you know promote something so you guys have been listening you know how to get in contact with me i'd love to hear from you let me know what you think of the show also really quickly before we get into the show i just want to give a shout out to itunes who have been doing uh who have been really amazing to me and the live at 605 family I went on to iTunes last week. Actually, I was on there today. And since last week, if you go to the uh, iTunes store, click on podcast and go down to comedy, I'm actually, I've been on the front page for over a week now under their news and noteworthy. And I'm actually on the front page. It's me and probably about 20 or 30 other podcasts. But yesterday I was one over from the Ellen DeGeneres podcast, which is really, really cool. I was a couple over from Tom Green's on there. Adam Kroll and Dr. Drew's podcast were a few over for me, and um, Burt Kreischer's Burtcast, which I love to death. I was only a few spots over from him. So uh, thanks to all the fans and everybody who got me on the News Noteworthy on iTunes. I think it's really helped me promote the show and get it out there. So thank you guys for that so much. And like I said, I think the News Noteworthy has really helped me out that once again this week I have a brand new sponsor. So let me just get this over and done with. Let me promote them. So this week's sponsorship of Live at 605 is brought to you by Hip Hop Handshakes. Oh boy, Hip Hop Handshakes. I remember being a young a young lad, and that, that was all the rage. You know, you're in high school, you're in college, and you go say hey to a friend or someone you know or someone you don't know, and you give them that Hip Hop Handshake. If you're really down with it, you pull them in and give them that back slap or whatever. I find the older I get, the whiter my handshakes are. I'm about one good Manny Life account away from, you know, just doing the double old man white handshake where I grab your hand with my right hand and put my left hand over top of you. I've gotten to the point now where I used to be able to judge who I would just shake their hand normally and who I would give the hip hop handshake to. 
And now that I'm, you know, pushing 27, I don't know what I do. I see some, you know, middle management dweeb with glasses and I go to shake his hand and introduce myself and he's being, you know, bring it in here, brother man, and just whatever. And then I see a really cool uh, black dude and he's just giving me the uh, little handshake. How you doing, son? So it's just, are we at a point now where we should stop doing the hip hop handshakes and everyone just do your normal handshake? One thing I always like watching, I love watching late night talk shows like, uh, Jay Leno or David Letterman or even like live with Regis and Kelly and when they have like a rap group on I always like to see who does whose handshake you know like is Jay Leno gonna go up to walk a flock of flame and give him the hand- hip-hop handshake or is 50 Cent gonna go to Regis Philbin and, and give him like you know a normal boring handshake next time you guys watch a show where there's a really old white guy and a really young hip cool black guy or a hip-hop act or something like that Watch and see who shakes their hand and how they do it because it's always interesting. So that's it, guys. This week's episode, like I said, sponsored to you by Hip Hop Handshakes. Email me, tweet me, let me know how you shake someone's hand, and I would love to hear from you guys. Like I said, you can tweet me at Camp, and I will read your tweets on uh, the show. So this week I got some feedback from uh, Ben Elliott. And so Ben, uh, I don't know where he's from because he tweeted me, but this was from at Ben Elliott 1012. And he said, loved your top 25 podcast. Arcade Fire is in my top 10 for sure. And I love me some Gucci Mane too. Hashtag live at 605. Hashtag Brick Squad. Well, thanks, Ben. I appreciate you tweeting me. And I'm glad you like the top 25 playlist. That was last week's episode where I pretty much exposed myself and all the music I listened to most on my iTunes. And yeah, number one was Arcade Fire, which wasn't hard to believe. It was Wake Up. Great song. But there's a lot of like weird acts in there, like Gucci Mane had a song Lemonade, which was in the top 10. Props to Ben for hashtagging Brick Squad, which is actually Gucci Mane's record label, I guess. That's his click, that's his crew. So thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. If you guys have got questions or comments, send me a tweet, send me an email. But enough of me blathering on all by myself. Uh, this is a very special edition of Live at 605, as we have our second guest. And let me introduce him to everybody. This is... James Bond himself, 007, Daniel Craig, or Danimal, as I like to say. How you doing, Danimal? You're very kind, sir. Thank you. <laughs> as he looks at me with glaring eyes because I said Danimal. <laughs> I could have said could have said Danzilla, but <laughs> I'll stop. Anyways, this week we are going to be doing a podcast about one of our favorite bands of all time, which is Big Wreck slash Thornley. And I feel like Big Wreck slash Thornley is one of those bands that just have not gotten enough recognition and they deserve to be talked about more on a podcast. And hopefully people who listen to this show will go out and listen to some of their stuff and download or buy their music. And we just want to get the word out and we're going to tell you about some of our experiences with the band and tell some jokes, and just talk about why we love them so much. Before we get into that, let me tell you about my guest. He's not just some random guy I found on like a Big Wreck Facebook page or Twitter account or something. We are actually friends dating back all the way to grade 7. If you yeah, now dating it. back as in we weren't dating <laughs> yeah. from that point yeah, on. Yeah, just going back to grade 7 when yeah. we were, uh, I don't know, 13 or something and we are now. We went from boys to now men. Twenty-seven. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I'm getting. I'm getting really weirded out already. I don't know, but we can talk about boys to men in another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we met in grade seven. We sat next to each other in Mrs. Drennan's class, and right. we've never looked back. I think we shared a Tamagotchi or something, and you maybe helped me with the math quiz. 
Sure. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and so that we went to grade school together in high school. And the funny thing was, we're both from uh, Kanata, Ontario. And then Dan moved to Toronto to go to school. He went to Ryerson. And I was like, well, if you're moving out of here, I'm going to move. And I followed him. And I went to school in Toronto. Dan graduated. And he decided to move and live downtown Toronto. So I moved and decided to live in downtown Toronto, one street away from you. And now we both actually live one street apart in Toronto and basically Ottawa, and we also work one street apart. <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to sound like a bit of a stalker, but I think we're just good friends. Good times. Something good like friends. that. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just the fact that we both love ALF, why we get along so well, but we also have a, a really, our musical taste is pretty much exactly the same. One of our favorite bands is Big Rex slash Thornley. And now... I didn't introduce you to them. You actually introduced me to them, and you're the main reason why I've seen them about 14 times live and have all their albums. So I kind of want to get into the origins of how we both discovered the band because clearly, uh, well, let, let me just kind of give a quick introduction to who the band Big Wreck is for people who don't know them. I guess you could call them a Canadian band. Ian Thornley is Canadian. I think he's from Toronto. Yep. Uh, he went to school, music school, in, at Berkeley in Boston. And he ended up forming a band with three guys from Berkeley, which became Big Wreck. So everyone, or most of you will know Big Wreck from three, two or three of their big songs from the 90s, mainly being The Oath and that song. And their other big song is Blown Wide Open. So they kind of came and went with a couple albums in the 90s. And then they broke up to do their own thing. And then Ian Thornley emerged kind of as a solo artist and put out Thornley, which is... I guess it's kind of a solo, but he had a band that went with him and everything. But they're basically an awesome Canadian rock band that just deserves to be talked about a lot more often. First time I heard Big Wreck was probably in the 90s, and it was that song in The Oath. I just remember seeing the music video or, or hearing them on the radio, or I think actually The Oath was on a Big Shiny Tunes. Yeah. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Maybe three or four. It definitely wasn't two, which was the best Big Shiny Tunes which had uh, Prodigy and Marilyn Manson and Blur. <laughs> I think it was like three or four or something like that. But I remember hearing those two songs and liking them at the time. Didn't buy the album, didn't become a huge fan, just liked them. Fast forward to me years later when I'm in college, when I'm living in residence in Scarborough, and I remember a random Friday night, you MSN me. And this was back when there was MSN because... MSN's gone the way of the Dodo Bird. Where it has. <laughs> right, no one uses MSN anymore, do they? I only use ICQ. There you go. That's why I can't get a hold of you. <laughs> I'm trying to MSN you and you're on I ICQ. You keep wait waiting for those great little tones and they don't <laughs> happen. Uh, so anyways, you sent me an MSN message and you're like, do you want to come downtown and go see Thornley at Lee's Palace tonight? Me being stuck in Scarborough and having nothing to do in Scarborough other than going to the Scarborough Town Center and check out the Walmart. Ooh, or McDonald's. Ooh, McDonald's, yeah. But you get risk. There's a risk of getting stabbed or something there if you go after dark. It's true. You'd have to walk across the parking lot. <laughs> so I had those two options, to stay in Scarborough or to go hang out with you and go see a rock concert. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll go do the rock concert. The funny thing was, I remember being on the subway down to meet you, being like, I don't really like Thornley because I thought Thornley was Headley. And anyone who knows Headley and Thornley, they're two complete polar opposite bands. One of them's more catered towards like tweens and younger people, and it's just they make pop rock music. 
Yeah. And that would be Headley. And the other one is Thornley, which makes rock and music. So I remember just being like, well, I just want to get out of Scarborough and I'll go see. It could have been Sharon Lois and Bram for all I cared. <laughs> which actually would have been a good show, actually. And so I remember getting to your apartment and me being like, well, can you just play me a couple more songs? Because I only know like one Headley song. And you're like, no, it's not Headley. It's Thornley. I was like, I don't know who that is. You're like, do you remember Big Wreck? I was like, I remember the name. And you played me their first album, which had The Oath and that song. And I remember being like, oh, this is the band. And I think you played, well, you played me their whole album. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I remember both those songs. I'll go see them just for that. That was uh, In Loving Memory Of. Loving Memory Of, which is our very first album. So that was my first experience. And then we went to the concert. Uh, we'll talk about that at a little bit later blew me away and from that concert on I've always loved them. Do you want to talk about how you kind of first got introduced to either Big Record Thornley? Yeah. Um so when we when I introduced them to you, uh, my roommates Sean and I had uh he had just gotten into Thornley. I was really into Thornley, but I didn't right away put together the connection to Big Rec. Um when I did I realized that I had loved Big Wreck in the past. Um, I'll date myself, but <laughs> I remember playing the N64, uh, NASCAR Ooh. 99, wow. uh, and listening to entire the entire album of In Loving Memory of um, from start to finish. And that was in a day, or that was in the days when you bought CDs, and you might have bought CDs because you liked one song of the album, yeah, or two songs of the album. There's none of this one or two songs or whatever. So I remember just listening to it start to end and not ever changing it or anything because it was just such a great album i feel like listening to that album and watching cars do laps and laps like 400 laps i feel like you maybe got hypnotized by the <laughs> motions of cars going in circles and you being like i will listen to big rack from now on very well could have happened <laughs> which is a good thing because you got me into the band and everything and did well yeah okay so you kind of knew about them and then sean kind of reintroduced you to them yeah and uh, okay, as did the Edge. Come again was a huge song. I want. <laughs> we're kind of off topic here a bit, but one story because you mentioned Sean kind of getting you into a band. One of our other favorite bands is The Darkness. Oh yeah, yeah. And is there? There's a pretty funny story I think where you could have seen The Darkness back in the day, back in their prime, but you chose not to. And well, you you tell me the dark. You know what story I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's a pretty funny one. First year university, there was a show that was announced. The Darkness was playing at the Phoenix. Yeah. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Phoenix, holds about a thousand people. Great little venue for small shows. And uh, they announced they were playing. And Sean really loved the band. I had only heard, um, I believe, in a thing called Love. Which, As most of us had only heard that one song. That's right. I said I would think about it. You know, kind of thinking like, eh, probably leaning towards <laughs> no, but I'll think about it. And I remember walking through Res, and one day uh, on one of the monitors in one of the lounges, there was the video. And I remember looking over, thinking like, wow, this is totally 80s metal. <laughs> and to top it off, it was on much more music. So my immediate thought was, this is from the past. <laughs> this is a band that has not been around. Maybe they ran out of money or something. Yeah. And they're back to play and to capitalize. And that's why you know they're kind of being noticed. Yeah, they're they're now they're fat and bald. They're doing their reunion tour thirty thirty years later. No one cares. Which wouldn't happen until the second album. 
<laughs> exactly two years later which is funny that you wouldn't want to go see quote unquote what you thought was an older band because probably a year before that we had seen a pretty old band live which was Bachman Cummings which is the guess who and and uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive yeah, yeah the, the key elements and it's just like we had no pro- we actually saw them twice and yeah. they're as old and as big as they get like we've also seen the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson and Nothing wrong with seeing them, but it's just like I would love to have seen the Guess Who back in the 60s in their prime, not in 2004, you know, when they're kind of just doing it for the money. And Yeah, yeah. There was definitely some irony there. But it was still a fun show because the first time we saw Bachman uh, Cummings, we saw them at the CBC because they were doing a, taping, a live taping. Bachman Cummings, first time around. Was the, the name of the TV special and the DVD. You guys are going to learn on this podcast that Dan is just a fountain of knowledge when it comes to... Uh, Music, especially music that you wouldn't think that people would have a big knowledge about. I'm thrilled to be here because this stuff is otherwise useless. <laughs> well, that was a fun show because we got free tickets. Well, you won two free tickets somehow, right? How'd to Bachman you... Cummings? Yeah, Bachman Cummings. Well, I work for those tickets. Yeah, well, <laughs> what'd you, how'd you get them? There was a... I'm not sure how we discovered this, but CBC had a, a promotion or contest where... You could go to the taping, uh, you would have chance to get tickets if you called in and sang a song. You know, I thought about these eyes and laughing and all that, <laughs> but I went with the obvious choice. So I think I sang about six lines of Taking Care of Business. Nice. Um, pretty sure you only needed to sing a line or two, or maybe they didn't even check. They just checked for your name. Yeah. But I, I sang the whole, you know, just to make sure to get the tickets. So you literally took care of business and got us a couple tickets. TCB, man. Yeah. So if anyone wants to see... I don't know if you can look up this concert on YouTube, but you can definitely buy it in stores. So if you want to know what Dan and I looked like back in like 2004, we're literally in the very front row surrounded by all like 50-year-old plus people. And I had long, shaggy, gross hair. We both had shirts that were two sizes too big. <laughs> and I think we were awkwardly dancing the whole time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we were dancing fairly out of tune. Yeah. I'll see if I can maybe find a clip and post it on the, on the Facebook page or something. But it should be easy. We were all over that. <laughs> it just I just find it funny that it, like the Darkness are one of my favorite bands, one of your favorite bands, and it's just you had this great opportunity to see them, and then we didn't get a chance to see them until about seven years later. And now the cool thing is we've actually got to see them three times in the past year. And luckily at the Phoenix again, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and. The other thing is, like, Justin Hawkins is the farthest thing from a fat old rock star. He's literally in fantastic shape. And the last time we saw him back in January at the Phoenix, the very venue where you missed out, he literally got onto his bodyguard's shoulders, played guitar through the crowd, went up to a balcony, climbed up from his bodyguard's shoulders to the second level of this venue, closed his eyes, and fell backwards into the crowd from two floors up. And then got back on someone's shoulders, played guitar, did somersaults, cartwheels on stage. So it's just like, if you ever have the chance to see The Darkness, you have to go see those guys live. Because even if you only know one of their songs, it's just a, they put on a great show. Yeah, he actually staged Joe twice, which is pretty yeah. incredible. And he does that at all his shows, which is really cool. The other funny thing, I got very excited because I was on Facebook and I noticed two of the members from The Darkness have Facebook accounts. Nice. And I actually sent them friend requests. Uh, Frankie Poulet, the bass player of The Darkness. Who also has a book. He does, Into Darkness or something, about yeah. the breakup. Yeah. And the drummer, Eddie, I don't know what his last name is, but I sent him a friend request, and they never accepted. Not yet. Not yet. 
They're they're busy. They're busy playing tunes, man. They are. However, I have a funny story to get back into the Big Rec talk about a Big Rec member who actually added me to Facebook, and it was kind also, of also also a former Watchmen member. Ooh, the plot thickens. Everyone right now is going, who could it be? Who could it be? Not too long ago. Well, I guess a few years ago, you started a Thornley Facebook group, I guess it was. It wasn't a page. It was a fan club. They, yeah. Yeah. Back when we called things fan clubs. Yeah. And so you started it and you were like the, the chief president or whatever. And you made me an administrator or yeah. second in command, whatever it was. And we had a pretty good following going for a while, like where it basically just was you posting YouTube clips or saying whatever news you read from the Thornley Rocks website or whatever the fran- their website was. Yeah, it was a good couple hundred members, though. Yeah, I mean, now today there's the big, like, big wreck Facebook page, I think is it, it is, and there's lots of people on there, and there's, like, I think the, the unspoken hero of that one's Buck. Everyone yeah. knows him, right? You got a question, you got to ask Buck, and he'll... He has the secret powers to get to Ian Thornley and the guys, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, I just remember getting a Facebook friend request from uh, the former bassist, I guess, of Thornley and the Watchmen. We all know and love him as the Worm, one Ken Tizzard. Yeah, so I get home one day and I just see a Facebook request from Ken Tizzard, and I tell you, I'm like, this is awesome. I got Ken Tizzard. He he added me as a friend. Really cool. You know, he's at the time he was in Thornley, I think, as the bassist. I was like, did he send you a request? No. No. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so strange. But anyways, to this day, I'm, I still have him on Facebook. And I always get like event requests for like Ken Tizzard and Bad Intent. Mm-hmm. I really should go one of these days. You I, should. I think he's always in Kingston or something like that. But I wonder if he would recognize you. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, so that's my Ken Tizzard story. We've been to... I was saying earlier, we went to three Darkness concerts over the past year. We were fortunate enough. But over the last, I guess we've I've known Big Rack Thornley, or we've been going to their shows since I was in college. So probably for about seven years, we've been going to shows. I think 2004, 2005. Yeah. And so I'm trying to guess. I can't even count. Do you have any idea how many Big Rack slash Thornley shows we've been to over like the six or seven years? Well, I might might get to more detail on this later, but I remember telling Ian Thornley, uh, somewhat embarrassingly, um, for me, I think with those shows combined with Thornley Big Rec, it's probably been in the vicinity of 14, 15. And I know a lot of people, like in the Big Rec uh, Facebook page, a lot of people live in like Ottawa or the States or just like Eastern Canada. They don't get to see Big Rec or Thornley that often. Like even that uh, Buck, I think he lives in like New Jersey or something, and he literally drives like the six or seven hours cross the border to go see them in Toronto or Ottawa. It's just like, and unless there's an album coming out, there's there's no real reason. I mean, unless it really they pick up steam there. Yeah, and so we've been to a lot of concerts, and we were fortunate too because when Come Again came out, Tiny Pictures didn't come out. Like there was a good three or four year gap, I think, between albums. Yeah. So I mean, there was a good gap between like cross Canada tours where it's just either he was working on the Tiny Pictures album. Or he just, whatever he was doing. So it's not like he was going across Canada, you know, for a big tour. He was, however, playing in Toronto a lot. Just, you know, I think working on new material and just... I remember just after Come Again, there being a ton of shows. Yeah. And then a little bit of a lull with tiny pictures, but then a good amount as well. I think we should get into, since we've been to so many shows, maybe we can talk about what your all-time favorite Thornley shows you've ever been to are. Because I think for me... Uh, I can tell you my top three or four, 
And it'll be interesting to t- like I'll tell you off the bat what my all-time favorite show was, and then if you know what your all-time favorite show was, we can kind of compare and see if they're the same one or or if we remember them. Yeah. But my very my favorite out uh my favorite concert I've been to for Thornley was when you got us tickets to go see their secret show <laughs> at the Steam Whistle Brewery, and it was really cool because first of all it was a secret show. Was it a secret show or like a corporate show? Well, I bought tickets to a show with the the headlining band entitled The Oaf. So uh, I, I see I'm a pretty smart guy. So. Go. I don't think most people would put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so you bought tickets to see The Oaf, as I do air quotes, and they were playing in Steam Brewery in Toronto. Steam Whistle, yeah. Steam Whistle, yeah. They were playing Steam Whistle Brewery in Toronto, which is crazy because it's not a concert venue. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a place where people go and make beer. And so I just remember being really excited for this. And it was like you, me, and Sean, we got tickets to go see them. And I was like, well, where are they going to even play? Like, are they going to play next to a brew factory or something like that? And they just played in like a really tiny area of the brewery. Yeah, their events area, yeah. Yeah, and I remember, I, I, if was there maybe 100 people there? Or do you think it could have been less than that? Like, it was pretty cramped. Oh, I think... There's probably a good 10 f- feet between a lot of people. Yeah. So I'd say 100 would probably be accurate, n- not a lot more. No, yeah, and it was really cool. Like I think we got drink tickets, and we were just we loaded up on Steam Whistle, and we got to watch them play. And I think this was probably this was probably before Tiny Pictures came out. I can't remember exactly, but it was just cool because like, we got to hear some new songs. Of course, we got to hear all the big, big rec songs and all the songs from like Come Again. And I just remember it being awesome venue for it because you never would think – and just like it was so intimate and packed and small, and everyone was really into the show, and you could tell like Ian Thornley was having a lot of fun. I think he was just making jokes about being, you know, at Steam Whistle at the time. Do you remember what he said? No. I remember him uh, just talking about it and that, and saying, you know, I, I feel like I'm playing in somebody's basement, yeah. which which was pretty accurate. Exactly, and those are always the best shows. Like we've been to a lot of big like venue places. Like we saw Gorillas at the ACC, which was a lot of fun. And like we've both seen Bare Naked Ladies, at, you know, Scotia Bank Place, wherever it is, and those are always good shows. Nothing to knock them, but there's something about being in like that basement vibe, where it's yeah. just it feels like the local band came here, or it's just like the cool kids party, and it's just it was just like a really cool atmosphere. And even the opening band, I think it was My Darkest Days, they were pretty yeah. good, right? They, I'd never heard of them, and for we've seen a lot of opening bands with with Thornley and they were good. Uh, and do you know what the new gig is for the uh, the lead singer of Darkest Days? I do not. Do you want to fill me in? Also, somewhat of a Thornley connection. You're, um, you're just a wealth of uh, Thornley. Kale Gontier, who played for a little while on bass with Thornley. Yep. Uh, his brother used to. Sorry, his cousin used to be the lead singer Adam Gontier oh. of Three Days Grace, who has now departed for a solo career. Really? So the lead singer of My Darkest Days is now the lead singer of Three Days Grace, singing I Hate Everything About You and all those great yes, songs yes. every night. I remember that. Yeah. Very cool. It's a very small world, the Canadian rock scene. It is, yeah. No, there's Well, there's some good talent out there. So Yeah, so that was my favorite concert of all time. And let me ask you, if you can think back to all the good shows we've been to, what comes up the top of your head as your all-time favorite show? I'd say that that show is probably a top one. Um, I really enjoyed the first show that we saw, Lee's Palace. I thought that there was a lot of intensity. I remember they had a drummer. His name was Siku. Uh, yeah. And I remember them doing probably maybe a 10-minute 
or 10 or 15 minute drum solo and it just went on and on and on it was fantastic and i, I mean i've seen a lot of drum solos and I think you and I are fortunate that we've seen a lot of different bands and a lot of yeah. really high level. Mm -hmm. um, but just the intensity of that show uh, was was fantastic. And I remember he actually played an old Big Rex song, uh, Prayer, which is a yeah. great song off of uh, In Loving Memory of, yeah. that I've never seen since. I was just going to say, it's such a great song, one of their classic ones, but it's one of those rarities where if you've heard it live, I hope you had a, a camera or a phone with you to record it because you they can't don't... Get it. Yeah, and all the shows we've been to since then... We haven't heard it unless they played it like, you know, in St. John's or something that we haven't been to. It's just, yeah, I haven't heard that song live either since then. Yeah, no, so I'd say definitely Lee's Palace, uh, yeah. but Steam Whistle is also up there. Yeah, uh, Lee's Palace was definitely an awesome show because, like I said earlier, that's when I thought I was going to a Headley show. And I didn't really know what to expect other than just like, like you said, I hope they play The Oath or that song because it's like, it's Thornley. Are they going to do Big Rec stuff? And the drummer blew me away, like you said, like that really long drum solo he did was really cool. I remember it too being the, I think it's the only show I've been to where Ian Thornley actually ripped off, I think he was wearing a wife beater. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like the crowd was really into it, like as they always are, but I feel like the girls that night were really digging his, his vibe. And I remember him being really hot and sweating. He took off his scarf and he's down to his wife beater and then he rips it off almost like Brett the Hitman Hart, or no, Hulk Hogan, sorry. And he throws it into the crowd and just like screaming women like he's Justin Bieber. I remember they're fighting over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. <laughs> it was like he was, uh, you know, NSYNC in their prime or Justin Bieber or something like that. But just... that really showed the intensity of that show. So I definitely would put that in my top three. This one's kind of, uh, it's not one of my favorite shows, but it's just one of my favorite venues for them to play. It was anytime they play the Mod Club. Yeah. Which again, uh, for people outside of Toronto, the Mod Club is a pretty tiny club we've seen them there probably a handful of times like out of the 14 times i've seen them maybe four or five times i'd say and it's just it's probably my favorite concert venue in toronto and we've seen a lot of good bands there like we've seen mgmt did a, a warm-up show there thornley we've seen uh grady which is big sugars band gordy johnson's yeah uh, the texas alter ego yeah exactly we've seen a lot of really cool bands there and i just remember like I said, I like small, intimate clubs, and the Mod Club is just one of those places where, like, Ian Thornley can clearly, he could play uh, a big stadium. His voice is just that powerful, and his guitar and everything. Yeah. But something about being in, again, almost like a basement vibe is really cool. And I've never felt crowded at the Mod Club. Like, it holds 600 people, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a nice venue. It's just, it's just there's no complications with getting in or out. It's, it's just a great place, and it's a great sound. Yeah. Uh, I've always found Big Wreck and Thornley to sound amazing there. And the other good thing about uh, going to see them live is I've never ever gone to a show and be like, ah, oh, fuck, it just wasn't that good. You know, I don't feel like Ian Thornley or the rest of the guys who've ever been in the band, not just like the cur current uh, roster he has, but anyone in the band, doesn't seem like they give a night off. They yeah. always seem to give it their all, and it's just, we've been to a lot of shows, and I've never been like, oh, that sucked. You know, they just, Ian wasn't into it, or, you know. Yeah, you, you there's always going to be a number of great songs and you know that they're going to play whatever they're feeling. There's never going to be a two minute and 30 seconds, just like the record mm -hmm. version. It doesn't happen. No, which is good. And another like no small feat that they did was one of the worst concert venues ever, I think is sound Academy. And we've seen a lot of good bands suck there. Like we saw Phoenix, which I didn't think was that good at that venue. I saw a band, she and him, which I thought, didn't deserve to be there. It's just like a weird, the acoustics suck there, and it's just 
there's an awkward amount of space between the crowd and the the uh, where the band plays. But Thornley and Big Rack have played there a couple times, and they're one of the few bands who can play a really shitty venue, and it still comes off as an awesome rock show. So it's true. It's probably the only shows that I've seen there that uh, I haven't been uh, just sitting there worried about my transportation home because I'm so <laughs> excited about the show itself. Yeah. And since we're we're kind of on the concert vibe uh, talk, we one of the cooler shows we've been to as well came last year when they were doing their big, I guess they were calling it, it was back when they were big wreck because it's after their Albatross album came out, and they were doing their big you know cross Canada tour, but they were also doing meet and greets, and we actually got to meet with the band before. Again, they're really good at finding really cool concert halls because they played the Danforth Music Hall this time in Toronto. I remember it was you, me, and Val, and uh, our other friend Sal and his wife. We all got tickets to the show because we all love the band, and we also got like the VIP meet and greet, which is a really cool experience because you get to meet the band before, you get uh, a poster that they all sign, and I think we got a copy of the new album as well that may have been signed. Yeah, and you also get, uh, as you were probably going to mention, great seats. Great. Oh, yeah, they, they kind of made sure you got really good seats uh, as long as you signed up for the VIP tour. So I remember when it, when we first found out about this, I'm like, oh, this is so amazing. You know, we get to meet Ian Thornley. He's one of my, my music heroes and everything, and we're both really excited. And then I just remember waking up the day of the concert being like, oh, I have to meet Ian Thornley? What am I going to say to this guy? That what happens when you meet God? Yeah, like, what am I going to say that hasn't been said every day of his life where someone's like, I love your music, or you're such a great guitarist, or, you know, yeah. this song changed my life, whatever it is. I'm just like, now, now I was almost, like, too nervous to meet him. I'm just like, oh, Christ, I, I, do I have to go through with this? Yeah. But it was in, like, the, the coolest possible way because I was just really excited to meet him. And so we went there. Well, they did it for all their shows. And I guess in the smaller markets... It wasn't as busy for the VIPs because I saw, again, on the Facebook page, people were posting pictures of the meet and greets where they're all standing up with all the members and they would have pictures with just Ian Thornley and pictures with the full band. And so I remember being really excited to take pictures with the guys, like not just to get the autograph, but to also take pictures. But there were so many people at the Toronto show. I think they were doing two nights there, right? Yeah. So there were so many people that I remember... They're all sitting at a desk, and it's just I don't think they had the time to take a picture with every single fan that was there because it was almost kind of I don't want to say assembly line, but it yeah. was kind of like get them in, get them out, get them in, get... we got to get everybody. Yeah, and the next time if we do this again, I think what we have to do is we have to be the very last people in line because you know we were kind of closer to the front, and it is pretty much like get them in, get them out. Not that Ian Thornley's pushing us along, but the security and everyone behind. Well, definitely the people there are pushing <laughs> yeah. you along. Other than the band, the band was cool. But... Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, next time we got to go at the very back of the line, where they'll, they'll have time to to kind of talk to us more. But I remember leading up to the day, and like I think I'd written down questions of like what I want to say or what I want to ask them, and I had all these things where I can't remember them at the time, but I, I feel like to me at the time they were like really prolific. You know, what one song changed or influenced you even though i know what song influenced him the most it was super tramp school right school or the logical song you're it, right the yeah, logical, logical song. song but i remember just all this all these questions i wanted to ask him and i get to the front of the line and all i remember saying was 
you're really good. I love this venue. I saw Arcade Fire here. And he was just like, oh, yeah, how are they? I'm like, really, really good. And they're shaking all their hands and got my poster signed. I'm like, that's it. Oh, my God. Yeah, but you know what, though? I mean, give yourself credit because I remember that you also said it's it's such a great venue. Really excited that you chose it. Oh, okay. And he was really excited about the venue himself. But it, but he was he was pretty excited about it, too. And do you remember, how were you feeling leading up to this concert? Like, were you just as nervous as I was? Or were you just, like, playing it cool? Or yeah. I think I had a mix of emotions, even as we were in line of kind of, I'll just say kind of like, hey, thanks. Or maybe I'll ask a question or something. Yeah. And what, what did you ask him or what did you say? I'll, I'll say this one last time and we'll retire it. <laughs> uh, I remember Val going up. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll say, should we say what she's? Because it went me, Val, and then you. Yeah. And yeah. so she kind of, there was me who stumbled my way through saying, thanks for playing a cool venue. And then there was Val who from people who know her from the previous podcast. She's very uh, energetic and very lovely and very down to earth. And she had no problem talking to any of the members. I remember her chatting up, you know, Brian and, and Pablo. And then she gets to Ian Thornley. And first of all, she's like, it's his birthday. She points to me because it was two days before my birthday. And she's like, you guys, you got to get up and take a picture with John. And she's saying this to Ian Thornley and uh, the drummer, Brad. And so I remember them both being like, all right. And nobody was taking pictures. Brad and Ian Thornley get up to take a picture with me. I'm shaking Brad's hand. They take a picture to say happy birthday. It's a great picture, too, because yeah. Ian's like leaning in like he wants to be in the picture. Yeah, it's and awesome. you can tell already security's just like, oh, my God, come on. We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> we don't have time for this. Yeah. This is great. I'll post the picture on Facebook. But so not only does Val, she gets me a picture with them. But she stops and starts having a real conversation with Ian Thornley. And I believe the question she asked them or asked him was, what was like the most intricate song to write on the new Albatross album? And he kind of paused, looked up and was just like, it's a really good question. Like, yeah, he actually thought about he it. He thought about it and he's just like, oh, this is really cool. It's not just you saying, you know, thank you for being you, you're God, whatever. And I believe his answer was uh, time. Yes. From, uh, from the new album. Because of all the different parts, yeah. Yeah, because it, it is a pretty intricate song and... Yeah, so she's telling Ian Thornley that she also plays instruments. And I think he got like really into like just talking with Val. And then I remember the security guard being like, "We, you gotta go. You gotta keep moving on." So like I said, there was me who stumbled my way through a, a quick conversation. Val, who made best friends with Ian Thornley, and then <laughs> you had to come back to follow. Then I get to follow. Yeah. yeah. So I remember. Um... The day I'm just being like, you know what? I'm just going to thank him. Really appreciate the music, but I don't want to make a fool of myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember my reaction to yours and Val's response was like, oh my God, he's a real person. He's a really <laughs> nice guy. I'm gonna, I got to say something. Yeah. So I remember just walking up and saying, uh, you know, oh, this this is like like my 16th time seeing you. It, it's so nice to meet you. Or it's so nice to finally meet you or something. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself a split second later, you know, as he's kind of rolling his eyes being like, like, oh, great, you know, thanks, and, like, signing the thing. He was really cool about it, but you could just tell it was one of those everybody says this things. Mm -hmm. And I just a second later, I'm like, wow, that was that was super creepy. <laughs> like, I didn't, you know, didn't want to come across like that. But, yeah. so, I mean, if it ever happens again, I'll, I'll literally just be like, hey, awesome, uh, you know, hope, hope it's a great show. That's not the first time you kind of talked with, the, like, Ian Thornley or a member of a band. Didn't you meet one of the former members in the bathroom of a bar? in Toronto one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you talked to him for a bit, right? This was... Yeah, he was playing in a cover band. Tavis? Tavis Stanley, Ta yeah. yeah. He, he was playing on a... Fan favorite. On a covered band. Um, Stacy's mom. That's right. And uh, yeah, just in between sets, kind of ran into him and uh, just talked to him. This is right before the, the Tiny Pictures uh, album. 
from Thornley, uh, and I remember those delays and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it so kept was... getting de- like I remember that got pushed back from you know early 2009 to spring 2009 to summer to fall, whenever it was. Or no, this was like 2008. I think it did come out in 2009. But just, just to give everyone a visual as well, John and I are looking at a uh, a poster from the album, uh, <laughs> which from the record company that you could tell was very uh, keen to get it out there put in stores early 2009 so as to give themselves some flexibility. Yeah, there's no concrete date or, or month or anything like that. Just early 2009, which could be whenever. I remember him even making comments at shows. And he's pretty diplomatic, but I remember him just saying, like, oh, it's going to be this now, you know, but I but I know this will be the single, so. We're asking Tavis in the bathroom of a bar about the new album? Was that what his... That's, that's where it happened to be. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, just how things were going with that and how it was coming along. And hmm. he said the band was uh, was excited about it. Another one of my favorite concerts from the band, which there's a, a connection here I'm going to make with the poster you were just mentioning, was they played the the Tattoo Rock Parlor in Toronto. And again, this is another one of those kind of cool, smaller clubs where a lot of cool rock bands have played there. And this was, again, this was in 2008. And I remember it being a really good show. It's when they were promoting Tiny Pictures and the first time they played Make Believe. And I remember it was Yumi and Sean again. Awesome concert. So much fun. And then when we went outside the venue to walk home, we saw all these posters that said Thornley, Tiny Pictures, in stores, early 2009. And I remember us, all of us being like, these are really cool. So what did we end up doing? We ended up, well, not stealing, well, I guess they're stealing, but we ended up just ripping them down from I, all the I, walls. I, I like the term repurpose. Repurpose, yes. Because well, those would have just been thrown away, you know. Yeah, for sure. So we both ended up getting our hands on one of these posters. And again, I'll take a picture and I'll post this on the Facebook page, but yeah, I got mine framed and it's hanging up in uh, the music room here and you have your poster in your apartment still. Yeah. So I just think it's one of those cool posters that, you know, not too many people have if anybody outside of you and I like. Yeah. And time flies, eh? Early 2009, tiny pictures. Yeah. Getting to be old men now. (laughs) We're uh, veterans when it comes to uh, being fans of this band. Uh, So one more thing I'm going to touch on about the meet and greet concert was one cool experience that didn't quite happen for me. That almost happened that Val was working really hard to do was, I said earlier, the concert was a couple days before my birthday this past year. Val, what she was trying to do, she knows how much I love the band and one of my favorite bands in the world. We've seen all these shows. She was like determined to have Ian Thornley say happy birthday to me on stage and to try to get me on the stage for a song. Just the thought of trying to do that. She was excited. I remember her uh, telling me about this leading up to it. Yeah, and I'm, I remember leading up to my birthday, she's like, oh my God, John. I have this amazing idea for a birthday gift. It might not work out. She's like, I can't tell you, but if it works out, I'm like the best person ever for like getting it to happen for you. So I was like, all right. And I remember when we got to the concert that day when we were waiting in line to see the band, she's just like, <sighs> she's like I'm going to tell you right now what your gift was going to be because it didn't quite work out. And basically what she was trying to do was she was, like I said, trying to get me on stage to have Ian Thornley say happy birthday and to have me up for a song. Apparently, she went through all these things, and she said she got like this close to actually getting, getting through with them, getting me on stage. She I said know she had a few yeses before the no. Yeah, like she went through. I think the managers, the record company. She went to like the offices. Everybody was saying yes. I think maybe someone even mentioned it to the band, and they thought it was a good idea. But it ended up being one person, which I think may have been their manager or an agent or something, just saying. The guys don't do this. They never do. And if we do this for one person, it could happen every show. Something like that. And she was so, like, discouraged. And, like, I didn't care. I was just like, well, that's really cool for you trying. And I'm like, I still got to meet him. That would have been a cool experience. And she said she wrote a note 
when she was going up to meeting in Thornley saying, it's his birthday. Can you say happy birthday to him? And she was going to try and like shake his hand and slip it to him. I remember that, yeah. But I remember she wrote it at uh, Pizza Pizza when you went to the washroom. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Where dreams come Little true. Little did you know. Pizza yeah. Pizza, yeah. I still got to meet the guy like days before my birthday, and it was another awesome show. The only thing I didn't like, and it was no fault to the band or anything, was that at the Danforth Music Hall, there's seats. It's a seated area. And I remember people sitting for the start of it, and then eventually everyone stood up, and everyone... It took about three or four songs for people to rush to the front of the stage. Yeah, it's really hard for a band like that. But I highly recommend uh, for you people in the States, they're finally doing, I guess, a small U.S. tour. They're playing a handful of shows. Blue-collar town so far. <laughs> exactly. So if you're in any of those areas, like check out their, their website to see what tours they're doing. Go see them because they'll blow you away. Like if, if you watch them on YouTube, it doesn't do them justice to how amazing his voice is live, his guitar playing is live, and just... The band overall, he he always has like a great band backing him up. They're also doing a couple festival shows in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rock on the Range, and I think Rocklahoma. The <laughs> That's nice an awesome thing name. Is, oh yeah. Uh, the nice thing is is that as you and I know, because they're kind of just reemerging in the U.S., they're probably lower on the bill and thus probably have a, a better set time or an earlier set time. So definitely try and check them out. The other cool thing that was just announced is. They're coming back to Canada doing a supporting act tour with Motley Crue. So they're opening up for Motley Crue, which I think will be really good for them. And hopefully it'll get them some new fans and more people buy the album. And I feel like Big Wreck is one of those bands where they could outplay Motley Crue. Like nothing against Vince Neil and Tommy Lee and all those guys. But, you know, I think Big Wreck stopped doing their drugs long ago. And yeah, no, no, I... uh... I, th- I think if Definitely you get, a ch- yeah, if you haven't seen Big Wreck again, like cough up the money, go see them open up for Motley Crue because they're definitely like he'll show you how he can play these big venues because I'm sure with Motley Crue they'll be playing the big stadiums. Okay, so let's take a break from all this Big Wreck Thornley talk and get into everyone's favorite game of what's love got to do with it? Who'd you rather hang out with? Edition. <laughs> Okay, so usually the first few times I did this with Val, it was a who'd you rather do, but <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> since we're talking music and stuff, let's make it a who'd you rather hang out with. I'm gonna read you three situations of three people that I know you love. Okay. And you have to tell me which one you choose to hang out with. Sure. There's gonna be positive and negatives to each one of these stories, and then I'll tell you which one I would I would do at the end as well. So. All right. Do you want to do this thing? Let's do it. Okay, so the first one is. Ian Thornley and you become friends. He teaches you guitar, and eventually you become better than he does. You actually go on tour with him and become his permanent guitar player. Slash contacts you and asks you to join Velvet Revolver. In doing so, you lose the friendship of Sir Ian, but you become rich and famous beyond your wildest dreams, and you're now in Velvet Revolver. So that's the first situation. Like You become really good friends with Ian Thornley, you become a great guitarist. This is like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, but in the end, you lose <laughs> you lose the respect of Ian Thornley for choosing Slash. Okay. So that's the first one. All right. The second one, Justin Hawkins, lead singer of The Darkness. This is during his drug-slash-highest-part-of-the-darkness like fame. Ooh, fat Justin Hawkins. Yeah, this is back when he was riding a mechanical uh, tiger through crowds at uh, during his concerts. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's famous fat Justin Hawkins. You guys become best friends. But you're such good friends that he gives up music, and instead he decides 
to start a Dan and Justin's patio barn. So you guys become best friends for the rest of your life, but he gives up music and you never hear any more of that great darkness or hot leg. But on the flip side, you have your own patio barn, which is something you want to do, and you run it with Justin Hawkins. Okay, yeah. What's the next one? <laughs> the, the last one is going to be a tough one for you. The last one is you've been dating Penelope Cruz for about four and a half months. She She's has, an actress, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think you like her a little bit, right? You yeah, yeah she was pretty good in the couple yeah. movies. Yeah. All right, so you're dating her for four and a half months, and she gets a part in the brand new ALF movie because they decide to reboot ALF, which is one of your favorite shows. There's really no downside to this story, <laughs> is there? I feel like we have to come back and do a Big Sugar podcast, and we have to do a ALF podcast. Okay. Okay, so she gets a part in the new ALF movie. Ooh, with cats, yeah. However, she dumps you for Brian, the kid, who's now like grown up and everything. But the positive thing is you got to date her for four and a half months. Okay. But she dumps you for Brian. Okay. And so those, those are the three. Which out of those three are you choosing to do? Take as much time as you need. <laughs> Cue the Jeopardy music. <laughs> uh, Justin Hawkins and I opened a patio bar. Wow, boom. There you go. <laughs> and, and you know why? It's because I don't like the – you would have had these amazing, super positive elements with Ian Thornley and Penelope yeah. Cruz, <laughs> and then they'd be gone, and, and, and you would be nothing to them, or you would – um, screw them, which I don't want to do. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the best set of those three scenarios. I know they're all mm-hmm. interestingly horrible <laughs> scenarios. We try to play through your head a little bit <laughs> in, in live at six oh five. That's a good point because I think at first I was going to maybe choose. Oh, it's tough. I was going back and forth between Justin Hawkins and Ian Thornley, and part of me is just like I don't want to screw over Ian Thornley. Yeah. But the thing is. The selfish part of me is like I don't want Justin Hawkins to like not write more darkness music, but I feel like if we became good enough friends that he left music, I could maybe get him back into the music industry <laughs> after we conquered the patio barn. Well, that industry. was my thought exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that is how you play. What's love got to do with it? Who'd you rather hang out with? Edition. Who'd you rather hang with? It's your boy. How about we kind of transition and start talking about your favorite songs by the band, my favorite songs by them. I have like I have my list of top five favorite. And this isn't just like my favorite Big Rack songs or my favorite Thornley songs. These are just my favorite songs by like those two bands because I consider them the same band, right? The same, yeah. Yeah. So let me let me tell you my list of like my favorite songs by them and I'll kind of talk to them, tell you like why I like them so much. Then you can kind of Tell me what your favorite songs are and such. And let me ask you this right now. You don't have to tell me now. But do you have a favorite song by them? I've stumped them for yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. No? Okay. Uh, it would probably depend on the day. Cool. Yeah, I definitely have a favorite song. But I'll, Okay, so I'll tell you what some of my favorite songs are. And then I'll tell you afterwards what my all-time favorite song by the guys are. Uh, I kind of pulled out some songs from all their albums. It's not just like... I only listen to Come Again and fuck everything else. So, <laughs> But from Come Again, I actually love the song, Come Again. It's one of my favorite songs just because the guitars are so... I'm going to sound like a douchebag, but they're so like dirty and filthy. and Nice, like, crunchy guitars. Yeah. That whole album, yeah. That whole album. We'll talk about after favorite albums, but uh, I think that might be my all-time... My favorite album by the guys is their Come Again one because it's full of just such hard rock catchy high energy high energy just like if you ever need to prepare for anything listen to that album from start to end and it's so good and that's always one of the best songs live i find is the come again like when the guitars start in concert you know everyone's gonna start like throwing their fists in the air and everything of course that song was the first song i ever probably heard by them and it never gets old or i never get tired of it well it's one of those songs too when you go see them live if you don't really know them 
and that's the only song you know, you get really into it because you're like waiting to hear and everything. Most recently, like from their Albatross album, I love uh, A Million Days. Because that, again, the one thing I like between the difference between a Thornley album and a Big Wreck album is I find Big Wreck is more experimental kind of. Yeah. And they're not sticking to like a three and a half minute song with for verse, chorus, verse, chorus. They're Big Wreck stuff. It's just like they'll do a minute and a half guitar intro. Yeah, like Albatross. Yeah. Like Albatross. And that uh, A Million Days, that song's all over the place. Like it's not. There's no formula to that song. It kind of starts one way, goes slower and melodic, and then gets a little bit faster and goes back. It's just... It's a really cool song. If if you guys haven't heard of it, go to YouTube and type in A Million Days by Big Rack. It's funny uh, that you say that with A uh, Million Days. I was actually on iTunes uh, checking out the, the U.S. release, uh, and I was actually really surprised to see that A Million Days was actually one of the higher uh, downloaded songs out of all this, you know, behind Albatross and mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I was surprised, that pleasantly surprised, because I think it's a great song too. Yeah, I love that one. My second favorite song all time by uh, the guys and it's a big rec song and it's under the lighthouse a lot of people like their more rock and if you talk to our friend sean he wants all the rock songs right all the time <laughs> all the time he wants the rock in but i love their slower songs because he's a great lyricist ian thornley and just lyrics he he writes and his voice obviously sounds really good when it's really loud and hard and rocking just something about under the lighthouse i always kind of like connected to and it's good when you're walking and it's dark outside or it's a rainy day it's just one of those songs I can relate to really well. Favorite song all time, Big Rex song, and it pulls heavily from Ian Thornley's biggest influence, which is Super Tramp. So do you know what song I'm going to say? Just by saying it sounds like a Super Tramp song? I'm going to say No Fault. You would be correct, sir. I remember, I think it was probably you who told me that uh, Super Tramp was like him growing up. That was his biggest influence, and he loved the band so much. And if you listen to No Fault, there is that keyboard that sounds like Super Tramp song. There's no other song by Big Wrecker Thornley that sounds like it. And I've always, to this day, this is like my number one song. Please, if Ian Thornley or anyone's listening to this, please play it live. I understand it's a hard song because you got to get a keyboard, or, but I love that song. It's funny to me. There's there's irony that you uh, that you actually said that after that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that song, as he has said in interviews, is actually uh, the logical song. It's either that or school. It's it's a super tramp song yeah. that he's referring to in in the uh, that song. That's what it is. Yeah. So it's that's kind of cool. Yeah. So those those are my favorite songs. You said you probably don't have an all time favorite song just because you love them so much. But which ones are today are your favorite songs like as of right now that you want to talk about? You can't cage me in with numbers, John. <laughs> Today I would say that uh, I'll give you a five plus an honorable mention. Ooh. Uh, but they, they change day to day. Yeah. Um, I'd say, uh, interestingly enough, Easy Comes. Uh, yeah, from their Come Again. From, although when I thought of that, even like found another way. Uh, they're yeah. both just really, really rocking, really, really hard, hard songs. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, the energy is great on that album. Broken Hands is a really good song off of The Pleasure and the Greed. Yeah. The second Big Wreck album. It's kind of all over the place. So I, really, I really like that one. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, that song, yeah. uh, very catchy. And I'm pretty sure that one of the more notable ones, especially for Canadian fans. Would you say that's their biggest hit? Like, I, I don't know how it ranges. I always like that song better than the, the Oaf. I know the Oaf actually cracked like the Billboard Top 40 and stuff okay. like that in the U.S., so the yeah. Oaf is probably a bigger song. Probably like commercially. Uh, what kind of made uh, In Loving Memory of Platinum. The next one I would say is Albatross. 
Oh, I love um, it. Albatross has really catapulted them back onto the scene. It's yeah. not like anything on the radio. No. Um, I think with Thornley, and, and I think even as Ian Thornley would likely admit, it was very geared towards rock and very heavy, especially the first album, really trying to get a following with those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Albatross is really just going back to, I don't care what anybody says, I'm going to play what I like to play. And, yeah. and if I think it's good, it's probably good. Yeah, like he doesn't need some suit behind the desk being like, no, 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 it's too long. You know, where's the chorus? It's just not, it's not on the radio. It's, he knows no, what's it's good. Yeah. Fantastic. There's slide guitar, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You can see people really like that. It did really well in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually still holding on pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say probably my number one, and you know maybe it's just because of all the shows that I've I've seen and the extended solos and that kind of stuff. But I really enjoy the Oath. Um, okay. And I, I really look forward to it every show with you know the delay guitar and all that kind of stuff. Even the solos, the solos can be sometimes three, four, or five minutes. Uh, just going really down to deep tuning, really up to high, and kind of all over the place, getting the crowd into it. Yeah, that's a cool song live as well because when he does do the solo, he usually breaks out from the oath to like a different song. I think most notably his most famous song he'll do is like Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah. He'll go into a riff of that and start singing the chorus and it just eventually finds its way back to the oath. And it's just like this really cool hybrid I think uh, I think come again as well. They've they've gone in and out of uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Okay, yeah. But yeah, yeah no, and, and there's just that ability too to yeah. take a song, and this is just kind of in general, mm-hmm. uh, and and take their hit, go into whatever song naturally, and then come right back. You have any more on that list, or honorable mention would be Time. Um, it's I was actually pretty delighted when he mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I I really like that song. I feel that it's a song that could really cross over the band you know into other formats i i think they should stick to rock but i mm-hmm. think that that's a song that could be really popular first time i heard it i wouldn't say that i loved it i wouldn't say that i disliked it i just kind of i would maybe skip or listen to the intro and you're giving me cut eye because i know it's one of your favorite songs but there's only there's one song like i would say i probably love every single thornley slash big rec song except for one song i have a feeling the one song that i actually don't like you probably don't like it either. And it's from their Tiny Pictures album. And it was co-written by a very famous Canadian uh, rock band frontman. And is it safe to say that you... Well, you know what song I'm talking about. Your song? Your, exactly, yes. Not my song. No, not my song. Not, <laughs> it's, it's definitely not his song. It's your song. I don't know if it's a mixture because Chad Kroger co-wrote it. Or if it's just like their attempt at being Nickelback or their attempt at making it onto the radio. It's just that song, your song. <laughs> they all, you know, it's just, I never liked that song. Yeah, it's, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't want to say formulaic. You can tell that it's not the artists being able to be themselves as much. Which is, again, another reason why I like Albatross so much is because he did it the way he wanted to because uh, Tiny Pictures was, that was still on 604 Records when he made mm. that album which is Chad Kruger's record label, right? Yeah. There's a bit of an interesting dynamic between those two guys, because correct me if I'm wrong, but in the 90s, wasn't there a few times where Nickelback opened up for Big Wreck? Yeah, yeah, they actually gave the guys a break uh, and, and had, them, had them open. Yeah, and it's just it's strange at what hits and what doesn't. Because like, Big Wreck, obviously, they were pretty big in Canada in the 90s. And then Nickelback, as we know it, they broke out huge in the late 90s and have kind of been really big in the early 2000s and still 
pretty big now in the states, and they have a really big following. Even though a lot of people say they hate them, they're almost like a Bee Gees effect. Yeah, they're <laughs> still technically one of the biggest out al- uh, biggest bands. And I think you know I don't want Disney to go back too much. Whatever, I, I've liked a couple of their songs. Yeah, I've seen them live, and they were fantastic. Yeah, um, you know I I wouldn't say that I'm going to go home and listen to five of their albums, but they were very very good at the time yeah. when I saw them. This is before a lot of, a lot of the hits kind of came out that were a little bit kind of similar. Yeah, but just like we take a band like Big Wreck and Thornley, and you and I know how great they are. Everyone who likes them knows how great they are, but they just you know they almost have just like a cult status in the states. Like they have a bit of a following. I think it was with their Come Again album where they actually played like the Jay Leno show. Like they got a bit of a push in the States. They did. They played the um, Tight Show. I believe they played So Far So Good on the Jay Leno show. And then when Tiny Pictures came out, I feel like 604, they didn't give them a push. Like they were pushing Mariana's Trench. And somehow Mariana's Trench became one of the biggest bands in Canada. They're playing everywhere. And I, I get it. They're kind of like the younger demographic and they have safer songs and they're kind of cute to their girls and stuff. I feel like they gave Theory of a Dead Man more of a push, right? They were at 604. It's interesting. Theory of a Dead Man has done extremely well. And I mean, no discredit to the band, but for the level of songwriting or, or playing that they have, they've done extremely well, I would say. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they just uh, tour with the... The guys in Big Rack. Yeah, I, and I remember seeing them, you know, another connection to Three Days Grace. I remember seeing a co-headlining show with Three of a Dead Man, and, uh, you know, they, they were pretty good live. Let's take another quick break and play a round of Was It Worth the Hassle? So I was trying to rack my brain with stories of things that have happened to me to ask you what you would do in my situation. Let's take everyone back, I'd say, a good five years ago. And we'll take you back to Dan's birthday. Oh, jeez. And this is a situation when uh, it was your birthday, and I think I just started working at City TV, so it must have been about five, six years ago. And you were doing your birthday on a Friday, and we were going to go to a karaoke bar. And (laughs) it was just, we were going to have some drinks, all your friends come out, go to a bar, do karaoke. Hey, karaoke was the rage. Exactly, back five years ago. That's right. And I remember being all excited for it, and then leading up to the day of your birthday, the Friday, I woke up feeling like shit. I went into work, and I just like had a bad cold. I felt sick. I had a fever, all this stuff. And I got home, and I'm just like, oh, maybe I'll leave work early and go take a nap. And I remember not feeling well and waking up being like, fuck, I still got to go out, come to your party. Obviously, I'm not going to miss it. But I had to ask myself, well, it's karaoke. Should I go out and just watch you guys do karaoke, or should I go full-blown party balls mode, to the wall. balls to the wall, have some drinks, do karaoke, and just, you know, hope that the next day I don't feel like too much shit. Sounds like a good idea, yeah. Yeah. So what I, we, the funny thing is we've both kind of been in this situation where we were, there's been a couple years in a row where we were both sick for each other's birthday. Yeah, I'm thinking there was a year that I was sing, singing Beach Boys and you came up and, and <laughs> uh, you could you could do the chorus, you yeah. know how to get around, but not much more of the song. No. <laughs> <laughs> so in my situation... Uh, what are you doing? Are you going to go balls to the wall and just drinking into the night, singing, you know, uh, Boston's more than a feeling? Or are you just going to take one for the team and, and go out for coffee the next day? Listen, man, there's 364 other days of the year to be sick. I'm coming out. <laughs> there you go. Now, let me tell you what I did, which is the exact same thing you just said, where I'm like, I'm not going to miss your birthday, obviously. This kind of, there was a chain reaction to things that happened to me from the next day on, which is to no fault of yours, it's just me being stupid. So I remember feeling like total shit. 
still going over to your apartment, being like, let's get this party started. Like, we got all the two fours, we had all the drinks. People were coming over. I'm just down in beers and stuff. And I remember, I, I feel like this was something Sean would have said. I'm sure he said it to me. I remember telling him, like, oh, I, don't, I feel kind of sick. I might just have a couple beers. And him being like, well, have some Jack Daniels. It will clear your throat. It'll be <laughs> Have some whiskey. Dr. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, all right, doctor's order. So just doing whiskey and Jack Daniels and all this stuff. And us going out to the karaoke bar and me pretty much – I think I was almost in like blackout state by the time I left your apartment, probably at like 9.30 or something. <laughs> and we go to the bar, and I vaguely remember doing karaoke. And I've had a lot of hangovers. I can usually deal with them and just sleep them off. The thing was, your birthday... <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, well, I mean, if I'm really hungover, I'll just stay in bed all day. Yeah, yeah. But your birthday is around... Your birthday is around a holiday, uh, Thanksgiving. And I remember... Oh, yes, Turkey Day. Yeah, so you did your birthday party the day... On the Friday, and it was like the Friday of the Thanksgiving weekend. Which For sure is, I did, because I figured, hey, why not? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. The thing is, you and I both hail from beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, or Canada. So I remember Canada. having a 9 a.m. bus ride. Not a train, not a plane, but a bus oh, ride. Oh, I remember this. Greyhound to oh, Ottawa, man. which is a good four, four and a half Four and a half hours if you're lucky bus ride. The great thing about buses is the ventilation's fantastic. There's lots of room. It's spacious. You get to stop in beautiful actinolite, Ontario. Oh, God. Uh, so I remember waking up with top three worst hangovers of my life because it was a mixture of me being really sick, getting really drunk, and just like not taking any meds, you know, Advil or NyQuil, whatever it is. Waking up, still feeling really drunk. I think I got up. And just lay down in the shower for like 45 <laughs> minutes to try and feel better. I was just like, oh, fuck. Because I had to wake up early to get to the bus station. I get like four Gatorades. I get on the bus. I'm hungover as balls. I remember, I don't think anyone sat next to me because I just stunk and was just. <laughs> and I remember having like the worst weekend in Ottawa because I was sick slash hungover. I ended up being sick for the next five straight days. Like I had no voice. I barely couldn't get out of bed. And the worst thing was, it was when I was still on contract at City TV, so it was before I was fi- hired full-time. So I took those five vacation or sick days, and when you're on contract, you don't get paid. I mean, it was a great night of drinking and partying, and I had a lot of fun, but I ended up... Now that I know all that, I don't know if I would have... Uh... <laughs> you would have <laughs> done it. But, but good on you. Yeah. But I remember having a lot of fun at the, at the karaoke and having a lot of fun in your concert. But, I mean, now if I'm sick for your birthday, I try to limit myself to a couple beers and not take Dr. Sean's advice of Jack Daniels and everything. But anyways, that was this week's edition of Was It Worth the Hassle? I told everyone my favorite song. You gave everyone your honorable mention. This one's going to be tough, and I understand if you don't have a, a, an answer, but do you have a favorite album, either by Big Wreck or Thornley? It's, t- it's almost against like picking, if, we had, if I had a kid picking a favorite child, right? Um, oh, I'll pick one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely have my favorite Thornley album and my favorite Big Wreck album. Ah. And my favorite Thornley album would be Come Again. I loved Tiny Pictures. That was almost, tr- not trying too hard, like I don't think he tries that hard. I just feel like he was more influenced by the record label on Tiny Pictures to put out Make Believe first, which is a fantastic song, but to do And then song. changes. Like, I, I think it was a very yeah. adult, contemporary, almost. And I don't think they put out a video until the, after the album actually came out. To me, Come Again, every song on there is basically an anthem. Even their slower songs, like Beautiful, I love that song. And 
Yeah, it's, it's a great song. Come Against probably their most hard rocking album with stuff like So Far So Good, Come Again, uh, just everything on there is like kicks you in the face when you listen to it. It's funny, I have found another way stuck in my head, and I don't know if it's cowbell, but there's like that first part where it's like, <laughs> it's oh, yeah, awesome. which is really good. Yeah. But then again, like Tiny Pictures, there's some really, really rocking songs on there. Not as much. There's like um, Conscience, Conscience and Consequence. Consequence, yeah. That was a good, good one. But the balance, it felt like more slower songs on Tiny Pictures. Not that I'm against that, but Come Again, favorite Thornley album. My favorite Big Wreck album would be the new one, Albatross. And I know the older Big Wreck stuff has their classics, that song, The Oaf, Blown Wide Open. But the song Control, which is like a really great bluesy four-minute yeah. guitar solo. That one is really good, really catchy, mixed in with just him doing whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Which is always, like you said, that's the best. If I had to pick between Albatross and Come Again, I might go Albatross, maybe because it's a little bit fresher and I haven't listened to as much as Come Again. Yeah, I, I might take the high road on this one. Um, Did you say all of them? It's just I've been listening to the, actually, uh, in the or the Pleasure and the Greed a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that's it's a fantastic album. It's it's all over the place, but it's it's really really good. I think over time it's been in loving memory of you know, and and not to say all of them, but Albatross has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, and made I think me really excited, and a lot of people are really excited about the band again. Here's my question to you: Is what are you hoping or expecting from the future of these guys? Because I remember after Tiny Pictures reading interviews about Ian Thorley being like you know what, I kind of want to do an acoustic album. Yeah. And you and I both had mixed feelings about that because like, I love, we keep saying we love all this stuff. I love the slower stuff. I just don't want a whole album dedicated to him and his guitar. I want to hear a really rocking, you know, double guitar mixed in with hard drums and a bass line or whatever. What do you think is kind of next? Is it going to be another big rec album? Are we going to have to wait like five years? Is he going to go solo? Or I mean, it's really hard to kind of, say with this guy i think yeah i would uh i would think that there will probably be another big wreck album yeah Um, i I feel like there was probably more material that he has at hand i i don't feel that they're gonna go and put out 10 songs and only have 11 written and just cut one i think he's gotten his best response with the albatross album in like the last 10 years not to say that people didn't like the previous thornley stuff but i think he just Maybe it was a bit of nostalgia where people were like, oh, I remember Big Wreck when I was, you know, 17, 18 or when I was younger. Because a lot of people who listen to Big Wreck in the 90s are now in their 40s and some of their kids are into it and stuff. So it's kind of, I feel like they have their new fan base mixed in with their old fan base and they always seem to be growing. So that's why I'm happy their stuff, like the Motley Crue uh, tour coming out because hopefully that'll get them some more rock fans. Now, do you remember... Okay. The show where we had tickets, but we couldn't go. No, I'm stumped. I don't... Many moons ago. <laughs> actually, when Tiny Pictures came out, right at the launch, Six of Four Records is located in what city? Do you remember this? Vancouver? That's right. Uh, so I think it was like Sea Fox or like Fox Rock or like something like that had a contest. Um, and I was in, I was all things Thornley mode because the album had just come out yeah. and I entered a contest. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, I won tickets to live at, uh, I forget what it was like live at Sea Fox or something. Yeah. Or, and uh, they had five or six acoustic songs. You can now look them up. They're pretty awesome. There's The Oaf and there's uh, yeah. Make Believe. Uh, but we got tickets, 
but it was just a, arranging the airline tickets was uh, yeah. a little bit of a logistical issue, and mm-hmm. I think you have to work for a living, so it's <laughs> yeah. it, it complicated things. <laughs> we're we're no stranger though to kind of picking up and going to concerts that aren't you know in our backyard because one of the funniest concerts we went to was we went to Chicago for a weekend to see Fastball, which I don't think there's too many people who said they've flown from Toronto to Chicago to go see Fastball. It's but we've true. done it. And it was a great show. It was a fun show, mainly because I think we were drinking. And But the funny thing was, I remember... Because we got in free because I signed up for the guest list. That's right. We got in for free. So that's why it was a great show. But yeah. also... The thing I was laughing at was you could tell just that all the guys in the band were really hungover. And, like, we flew to Montreal. From many nights of enjoying playing the songs. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember not too long ago, it was like a random Wednesday, and we flew from Toronto to Montreal to see Wyclef. And then we flew back to Toronto like 6 in the morning the next day because we both had to work. I remember I had an interview that morning. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> Well, it was a great concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if logistically, if we could have made it out to that trip to see uh, the show in Vancouver, we would have done it. Because like we said, we've done this thing before. But For sure. Now I wish we kind of done that. So my next question for you is, again, before Albatross came out, there was a lot of talk. Every once in a while, there's always like the Chris Cornell comparison. Yeah. Right? And I'm kind of sick of hearing about that and people being like, Half the people are like, he sounds like Chris Cornell. The other half, Chris Cornell is a shitty version of Ian Thornley. But the thing I thought was cool was there's a video interview with Slash where Slash talks about how he wanted Ian Thornley to be in Velvet Revolver, right? Or he wanted him to come out in audition to be in Velvet Revolver and be the new lead singer because I guess Scott Weiland, he's not doing too well. He got kicked out of STP, (laughs) got kicked out of Velvet Revolver for a bit. But Slash wanted potentially to have Ian Thornley be the front man in the band. Ultimately, the problem being Slash is an amazing guitarist. Ian Thornley is an amazing guitarist. Slash didn't want Ian Thornley to have a guitar. Well, Ian Thornley said it'd be weird for him to be on stage without a guitar. I don't want to see him on stage without a guitar. No. Like, I don't want to see him doing his Scott Weiland dance moves or anything like that. <laughs> That'd be weird. Would you like to see Ian Thornley in Velvet Revolver? Like, because clearly he does something like that, and... His fan base is going to explode. People are going to find out where he came from, and it, it'll put like a bit of a spotlight on Big Rack. And I mean, he could have just done a year of Velvet Revolver, made an album, do a tour, left the band, and gone back to to Big Rack. So, do you think there was like a bit of a missed opportunity there, or are you glad he didn't? Yes do it? and no. Uh, you know, I, I think what you got to realize is that there's more than just the artist. Um, you know, they have family, they have different things like that. Um, and you can't just pick up and move everybody down or just say, hey, I'll be back in a year. I think would he have done tremendously well and, and gained a fan base? Sure, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, is he somewhat doing that with the new Albatross album? Definitely. You know, that could yeah. be argued as well. I, I think he made a good decision with uh, sticking it out with Big Wreck and bringing Brian back. Yeah, and I feel like as much as like one side is, it seems like Scott Weiland's a problem. I'm sure as lovely as Slash seems, we've both read his book and I've seen him in interviews, seems like a cool guy now. I feel like just Velvet Revolver, with having that much talent, there's a lot of ego in it. I feel like he has a good base now with like he's back together with Brian and Big Rack, the band. I feel like it's just they're all having fun. And to go into something like Velvet Revolver, where it's so high profile, you're going to clash a lot, which is why people like Guns N' Roses break up and Velvet Revolver. I mean, it's not just drugs puts out. I would have loved to have seen him do something with Slash. Maybe they'll... they'll Maybe he'll be on a Slash solo album sometime, like Slash and Friends. We were mentioning earlier that 
Big Wreck went on tour with uh, Theory of a Dead Man earlier. They're going on tour. They're opening up for Motley Crue. Who do you think is a good band that they could tour with? I'll give you my realistic list, and then I'll tell you the bands I would love to see. Yeah, so I was thinking, like, because we've seen them so many times live, and I remember we didn't go to see them live when they came with Theory of a Dead Man, just we, because... We did see them with Slute. We Slute. I actually wrote down Slute as my all-time favorite opening band for Big Wreck, Excellent. or for Thornley. Do you want to tell everybody who, or I guess what Slute was? Slute was a fantastic Toronto-based band uh, <laughs> with an extremely high-pitched singer who could probably give Freddie Mercury a run for his money. Freddie Mercury, Mercury slash Axl Rose. Yeah. I say he's a hybrid of trying to be both those guys. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I thought I remember seeing that he got signed to Sony Music or something like that. I, I think Slute is no more, but they were a great band, and I remember even Ian Thornley tried to kind of imitate their voice as he came on because uh, I guess he was either somewhat oppressed or amused. Yeah, I feel like Slute was trying to be like the stereotypical rock band. They almost had an ACDC flavor as well. It was a bit of everything. ACDC, Guns N' Roses, Queen. It was just all these styles. And this was one of the first shows we saw, or at least one of the first shows I saw of Thornley. And it was at the Mod Club. And most of the times when you see someone like Thornley, the opening bands, you never heard of them. I'd never heard of Slute. But when they came out, they were just so over-the-top ridiculous at first because, like you said, the guy, the lead singer had such a high voice, but he also talked with the same voice. So he'd be like, we are Slute, or whatever. Like, he was being really theatrical. I remember his voice cracking, though, and him going out of voice. Being yeah. Like, we are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but aside from that, like, they put on a really good show. I mean, they weren't polished or anything. It's just... <laughs> they were fun. They were fun. And they gave out a CD sample after the show of two songs. The two songs we have on CD, one was called High Rollin' Bitches, and the other one was called Take a Ride on Me. And I'm pretty sure I still have Take a Ride on Me on iTunes, so... Here, I'll give everyone a preview right now, and this is a glimpse into the amazingness that was Salute. didn't you yeah you did but un <laughs> unfortunately that's all you have because they broke up and i don't know where they are but there must be some kind of site where you can vote to get them back together yeah uh, the other funny thing was they would say we're slut with an e that's what slut meant to <laughs> we them are, yeah. we are slut it's slut with an e <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to see those guys those guys would be awesome to open up for the darkness that's what uh, you, you got you had it you got me that's what i was gonna say Damn it! So that yeah, oh. Fuck. You could have Slutes, Hot Leg, and then the Darkness would yeah. be great. That'd be fantastic. Damn it! So back to the bands I would like to see Thornley or Big Rack tour with. I would love obviously Slute, but they are no more. 
my dream list of big rec going on tour with, I would love to see them with someone like Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. I feel like they have a really similar fan base. They could play a little bit of a bigger venue and get some of those Queens of the Stone Age fans with them. Boots Electric would be a little too weird. Boots Electric. If anyone doesn't know who Boots Electric is, it's the lead singer of the Eagles of Death Metal. And he put out a solo album, which was fan-fucking-tastic. So go look up Boots Electric. And look he up... might weird out the big rec fans, though. Yeah. Well, look up Boots Electric Theme by Boots Electric on YouTube. And if you like that song, check them out on iTunes because it's really good. Queens of the Stone Age would be fun. Another obvious band that would really boost them would be either King De Leon or the Black Keys. Obvious choices as they're kind of like the big rock bands that are out right now. But clearly you're going on tour with them. You're playing either amphitheaters or hockey arenas. But I think a more realistic tour that they could do, and I know Ian Thornley's pretty good friend with the lead singer, is Big Sugar. Big Sugar is another 90s band who I feel like we could do a podcast about. Who had like a, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> they had a resurgence a couple years ago where they got back together. The lead singer, Gordy Johnson, did the Big Sugar thing. He went to Texas, started doing Grady, which is more like a, you know, a ZZ Top kind of... Rockabilly. Rockabilly Heavy band. metal, yeah. He's doing this thing called Sit Down Servants. He's like in five bands. He's well, doing Wide Mouth Mason. Exactly. And he's doing them all at South by Southwest if you got a whole day. <laughs> exactly. But we went to go see Big Sugar... At the Mod Club, and he brought out special guest Ian Thornley, and they did a couple songs together. At Whiskey Rocks. Whiskey Rocks, where we got uh, free whiskey samples. We've been to some interesting Thornley sh- or interesting shows. That may have been one of my favorite, although that was probably my favorite Big Sugar show. That was a pretty good Big Sugar show. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, but I feel like a Big Sugar, Big Wreck, first of all, would have 90s nostalgic you know, memories, being like, oh, I love these guys from the 90s. If I can add one thing. Yeah. The one of the first times I ever saw Thornley, I went with Kieran, uh, an old neighbor of mine. Yep. Um, and there was this band opening, and I had no idea who they were. They they were called Grady, and I, they were opening at Mod Club for Thornley, and I'm like, ah, maybe I'll go. Grady, the guy used to be in Big Sugar. Uh, kind of the same thing where I was, I, I wasn't really aware. Like I knew I liked Big Sugar before, but would this be the same thing? And it was awesome. I got there at the end. Um, and saw a little bit of them, but at the end of the show, Ian Thornley came out and they did the Oaf, and then they did If I Had My Way. So Gordy Johnson was out there for the whole time, and they kind of wow. went in and out of each. Oh, I'm um, so pissed I missed the so show. So a whole show like that would be fantastic. And it he would... had the whole, the cowboy hat at the time, which was great. Oh, so good. Yeah, I wish I wish I went to that show. I think my first show was the one after that, at least Palace that we went to. Yeah, I just I think that'd be a fun tour because we love both those bands. We've seen either Big Sugar or Grady probably six or seven times, something like that. Yeah. Who do you think, who would you like to see him tour with, aside from, like, Big Sugar? Is there anyone? Yeah, they, that would be my top choice. But yeah. aside from those, um, I'm very much a blast from the past kind of guy. So yeah. I would say Ken Tizzard's other band, The Watchmen. Oh. Um, Daniel Greaves has come up and done featured stuff with them before. Yeah. Uh, and they're a really good kind of similar type of band. Another band that I that I like that's kind of a more of a wish because they're not together, uh-huh. but I think it would be a cool combination is the Black Crows. They're kind oh, of a, yeah. a cool band. Uh, they have like Stop Kicking My Heart Around. Black Crows, they're a pretty... They have a following almost like Big Wreck, but in the U.S. Where kind they, of a high energy, so they could almost yeah. kind of split it up and do it different in Canada and U.S. I feel like they're one of those bands where they're like Big Wreck where they're just... 
they should be a lot more popular than they are. And me saying that, I know they have like a really big diehard fan base, and there's people yelling at me being like, there's millions of people who love them, but they're not like the Black Keys, sure. the Black Crows. They're not playing, you know, uh, Dodger Stadium or something like that. Sure. Yeah, so that would be a good one. I go see that. I feel like that'd be, that's going to be at a festival someday. You can see a show like that. So we're just about done here. Before we wrap up, we've been talking all this Big Wreck stuff. We have everyone from the Big Wreck Facebook page listening, being like, I love those songs. I've been to that show, this and that. Are there any songs you would recommend to a first-time person where if you had to introduce the band to someone, be like, you got to check out these two songs. What songs would you want to use to introduce someone to the band? Because like me personally, I said No Fault's my favorite song. But I wouldn't recommend it to someone. As much as I love the song and as good as the song is, to introduce the band to someone, I wouldn't make it that song. I just don't feel like it's a commercial enough song. I was thinking it's pretty tough because they have a big, big selection. For me, the obvious choice would be either that song or The Oath to, for a first-time person. If you went a little bit later on in their catalog, I would go like Come Again. I would probably do Glass Room. I think it's a pretty rockin' three-and-a-half-minute song with a great bass line, really catchy. A lot of people like that song. Um, I know Dean Blundell loves that song. I've heard him kind of sing its praises. When you tell someone about the band... I may have done this once or twice. So I always try to bring in stuff that's relevant, so I try and bring in songs that they might hear on the radio anyway. Mm -hmm. So Albatross, Come Again, probably that song. That's probably them. Maybe Blown Wide Open if I'm looking for more of a deep cut. I think that's a good... It's always good to get, like... The one really big commercial song. Go for like a, a album deep cut and then just go like throw in a, a personal favorite and you can't go wrong. There's really no Thornley or Big Rec song you could recommend to someone that isn't good. I'm almost selfish because like I want them to be the biggest band in the world, but at the same time, I like introducing them to people. If I could have a nickel for every time I've seen on, on YouTube, this band is is underrated and they should be playing stadiums. And It's like a double-edged sword because I want them to play stadiums so they can grow and get the money and the fan base. But at the same time, I like seeing them at the Mod Club or Steam Whistle Brewery or Lee's Palace or something like that. Yeah, every couple months. But I just hope that in the future they keep touring and keep putting out music and they do it until they get old because I'll I'll go see them until they're... They can't do it anymore. So for anyone who makes it this far into the podcast, I always like to reward them with telling them about my band of the week. And so I wanted to keep it, since we talked about one of our favorite bands, Big Rex slash Thornley, I wanted to go with a band. The lead singer is from our other favorite band, The Darkness. So do you know what band I'm going to refer to as my band of the week? The Darkness. Thinking of a spin-off band, and it's definitely not the Stone Gods. Ah, yes. No, no, no. It's the, it's, there's, a, there's a Rod Stewart song that has a similar name. Hot Lake. Hot Lake, yes. For those of you who know or love The Darkness, in like 2005, 2006, they broke up due to drug-related issues and fighting in the band and this and that. So all the members of The Darkness started this band called The Stone Gods, minus lead singer Justin Hawkins. Justin Hawkins decided to go to rehab, clean himself up, get sober, and form a new band called Hot Leg. Now, Hot Leg uh, was an English rock band. If you thought The Darkness made ridiculously awesome, catchy, strange, <laughs> weird music, Hot Leg takes it to a whole nother level. We were saying earlier, we thought The Darkness were almost like out of the 70s because he looked, they looked like an old rock band. Hot Leg is coming straight out of like the 80s, uh, like Van Halen, where they got like the bleach blonde hair, the headbands, the cat suits still. I remember being so sad when The Darkness broke up because we loved them so much. 
And then one day, randomly checking Wikipedia and just reading like Justin Hawkins' bio and seeing that he started this new band called Hot Leg and that they had an album out called uh, Red Light Fever. I instantly downloaded it, and I think there's only like 10 or 11 songs, and it blew me away. It was just everything The Darkness had and more. It had like really raunchy, funny lyrics. It had awesome guitar solos. It was just a lot of people judge them as like a joke band, kind of almost like Steel Panther where they're making fun of rock music a little bit. I don't think it's true. Like when he, you, when you can play a guitar like Justin Hawkins, like you're not joking around. It's just he has these really ridiculous lyrics. But anyways, Hot Leg, if you like the darkness or you like falsetto voices or anything like that, you should really check out the Hot Leg album, Red Light Fever. They have uh, they have some great songs in there. Trojan guitar, yeah. whichever way you want to give it. The shitty thing about Hot Leg was they only really were around for maybe a year and a half. Because yeah. as everyone knows, The Darkness got back together and he left Hot Leg. The sole release of Barbecue Rock Records exactly. by Sir Justin Hawkins. Yeah, so there's only one album by Hot Leg, and they only did a handful of tours in like the UK. But um, yeah, they're my band of the week. And as you were saying, you mentioned some of your favorite songs, Trojan Guitar. I love the song Chickens. <laughs> Chickens is, is pretty great. He actually goes, bop, 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 bop. You... Exactly. There's also Kissing in the Wind is one of the weirdest songs you'll ever hear, but it's fantastic. My song of the week by the band of the week is Cocktails by Hot Leg. And if you're listening to it on the crowded subway, you might want to turn it down because the lyrics focus on one word that he just screams over and over again. But it's my favorite song by him and the band. It's one of my favorite all-time Justin Hawkins songs. Like It's up there with Black Shuck and Hazel Eyes for me. So I'm going to end this podcast this week with hot leg cocktails and if you guys like it you can download their album red light fever on itunes and i actually have a physical copy that i had to buy and have shipped from the uk i think you guys are really gonna dig it and that is hot leg so as always guys thank you so much for listening i hope you like this edition of the big rec podcast send me your tweets send me your emails let me know if we me or dan got anything wrong to all the big records out there i just want to give one more shout out everyone in the big rec facebook group who dropped some serious knowledge and shout out to buck who is the man with the plan and can get a hold of ian thornley and answers all of our questions you guys are awesome like i said you can always follow me on twitter i'm at malencamp m-a-l-l-o-n-c-a-m-p like me on facebook it's live at 605 search that email me your comments questions or concerns at live at 605 at gmail.com and check out my blog. It's live at 605.wordpress.com. I'm always posting pictures and videos or anything I've talked about. You can find on my Facebook page or my WordPress. So that was it for this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week with a brand new podcast. Stay tuned. A lot more guests coming up. A lot more topics. A lot more silliness. A lot more randomness. And a whole hell of a lot more embarrassingness about me. So until next week, I'm your host, John. Take it easy. Can't